Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use. No doubt starts now. This is the broadcast for December the 18th in the year of our Lord, 2023. This is our one of two and the goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, to promote God, family, and country, to do so on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty. That is, should be the reality check for all of us, shouldn't it? This shouldn't be a debate. Left, right, up, down, sideways, crazy, liberal, conservative opinion. Let's just look at the supreme law of the land and obey it, shall we? Welcome to the broadcast. The government has this whacked out, psychotic, uh, in my opinion, agenda, which is let's control the citizenry. Let's lie to the American people and use the environment as our end game. The environment and health. Okay, mental health on down to physical health like COVID and the environment. Let's absolutely just control everything. Let's put that on the altar to really embark on an, on an agenda towards tyranny and communism and satanic agendas. Okay, because look, tyranny and communism are godless. Let's be very, very clear. All right, I'm not here to debate the theology of religion with anyone, but I am here to tell you that we either look to God, look to a greater source than government, or we look to man, the leaders of government, the guardians of so-called liberty. They're not the guardians of liberty. Most times, if left unchecked, they are the advocates of tyranny for their own personal gain, whether it be financial, whether it be power, whether it be sex, whether it be whatever. That's their game. That's what wicked people do. And government was instituted among men to try to rein in that power, to check that power to balance that power to reduce that power right anyway i digress except i want you to understand that relating to the environment i really do i really want you to understand that in relation to this whole discussion today now listen to me carefully we don't have dr scott bradley with me he's out uh, he's got some business to take care of we don't have lil nelson he's out they've got some business to take care of they're both gone for the next couple of weeks <clears throat> Well, I guess uh, Dr. Bradley will just be gone this week, this uh, Monday and Friday, uh, but lulls out for a couple of weeks because they're taking care of some cool personal family <laughs> ministering kind of service things. For example, Lowell goes to Mexico. And in Mexico, he has a bunch of time in the sun in the middle of the winter, which is really good for your body, but he also spends time serving the people there. Just shows how racist we are on this broadcast. One of our co-hosts literally spends his uh, last two weeks of December every year uh, going down to Mexico uh, and helping those folks financially uh, with uh, projects. They build things, they do things, uh, and he serves them. See how racist we are on this program? While well, they run around and tell you that I'm a racist, I literally back that guy. You say, well, man, how do you then uh, back somebody like James Edwards for a crying out loud? Because James is a great guy, too. Okay, we can have different opinions on things, folks. We can even think someone's opinion is horrible, but still be nice and kind to them. I think anybody who believes in abortion is absolutely off their rock nuts. Crazy. I believe anybody who just says it's a woman's choice, her woman's choice, you know, the woman's choice is 
Not really a choice. Because what about the baby's choice? You say, well, hold on. It's not a baby. Okay, we can debate that till the cows come home, but the proof is in the pudding of science. And we've already known it. God told us. God gave life. Well, Sam, if you look at the scriptures, uh, it's the breath that he put into the man that gave man life. Uh, therefore, life starts with breath. That isn't true. Okay, it all depends on how you define life. What kind of life are we talking about? Independent life or life in general? And do we only protect life in general? Or do we only protect independent, sufficient, sustainable life? You know, where do we go with this kind of stuff? Without the medications people have, without all kind of, many, 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 many lives would be cut short, right? So, look, it's, it's a big game. But whether it's pro-life is the issue, whether it's the environment that's the issue, it doesn't matter. We want to be on the right side of the discussion every time, okay? That's what we want to do. That's who we are. That's what our goal is. It isn't about right and wrong in terms of people. It's about right and wrong in terms of principle. Okay, we want to stand on the correct side of an issue all the time, if we can. Now, I'm not perfect at it. Nobody is. But if to me, you look at God, family, and country in that order, and then all you got to say is, what's the proper relationship with God? Where should I be? He determines that, not me. I just need to learn to make my will his will. Isn't that what the atonement's about? Isn't that what the Savior taught us in the Garden of Gethsemane? And when he died on the cross, all right, and then he, he came back to life, the great giver of life, Jesus Christ, okay? Um, when it comes to family, I just need to look at the God-ordained family. God's the one that put Adam and Eve together and said, hey, don't break apart what I put together. You two shall become one. All right, so, you know, you look at these principles, that's all you do. And you decide on the issues. Now, God gave us the earth, and he said, let's be good stewards of it, right? Love it. Good. Agreed. How do you become the best steward of the earth? And that's one classic debate right now. Either one, you're this green environmentalist tree hugger. we got to go back to the dark ages. Or you're this advanced, crazed, you know, they would say um, Uh, capitalist, uh, and you're all in it for the money. And instead of looking at reality and looking at things truthfully, honestly, morally, we tend to polarize. Are you for fracking or against? Are you for this or that? And what we really need to do is we need to look at what's called a risk-reward analysis and always decide what's best. What's best on the earth for God's children? And we need to go ahead and move forward with faith and hope in God and trust in God as we do our best to keep his commandments. That's how he, how he tells us we qualify for his blessings and protection. He says, you know what? Repent, turn, follow me. I'll heal your land and protect you. He's the one that set the plan forward, not me. So I don't think I'm speaking for God. I don't speak for God. Um, I'm not a prophet. I'm not a seer or a revelator. I'm just a man. Uh, but I, I, I learned from God, and I can use the words God gave me. And I can say, hey, this is what he wants me, us, to do. And when we do it, here's what he says will happen if we do. So I can follow God's word. 
and I can do my very best to articulate God's word in ways that make sense. You say, Sam, what are you talking about? You're so all over the map this morning. No, not really. I'm talking about agency and choice. And I'm talking about the epic battle that we have between God and Satan. And I'm talking about how we're in the middle and must learn to follow God Almighty and trust him, not trust governments. Governments around the world are being betrayed by evil forces, and there will be an attempt to overthrow all governments and replace them with a global elite-oriented tyranny. Oh, Sam, that's a whacked-out, crazy, psychotic conspiracy notion. That isn't true. Yes, it is true. Go look at the World Economic Forum and start there and spend your time, and you'll find out they don't believe in any governments except for global governance. They believe the only way to freedom and stability and safety and is this deceptive New World Order plan. Almost every president's mentioned it and talked about it. And Okay, that's what they want. I reject that. Um, I want a single world order as well, but only when our King Jesus Christ comes. Until then, I want no part of it because it's evil in its origins. Got it? See, I'm very, very clear in what I say and what I believe and what my agenda is. And I have every right to those opinions. You may disagree. You may not like those opinions. That's okay with me. What's not okay with me is when, hey, I'm either somehow evil or dangerous for the nation for my opinions, or um, you disagree with me so you have to get hostile. Why don't we just, hey, if we disagree, we'll leave it alone. But the environment, I believe, uh, and your health are the two biggest areas in which they want to control us all, and they want to change the affairs of this nation. Now, are there other issues? Yes, of course. But when it comes to life, when it comes to liberty, when it comes to property, that's where they want to focus. They want to take away your life, liberty, and property. And they want to do that by severing you from your God, your family, and your country. Don't let them do it. They want to demonize. They want to destroy. All right? We can stop this. But the environment is one of the areas in which I believe they're going to have the most success because that's where most people will be deceived and mean well. Look, everybody wants clean, good energy that's like, hey, I'd love to take care of the earth and be a good steward of the earth like God asked me to. I'd love to do these wonderful things. I really would. It'd be incredible. It'd be awesome. The problem is it's not real. The problem is it's a lie. All the scientists don't agree on what we ought to do at all. Many of them are browbeaten for a paycheck. Uh, many of them uh, are deceived. Uh, many of them um, are uh, confused and confounded on certain topics. But Vivek Ramaswamy literally says this, and he's the only one on the national stage to have the guts to say this. Drill, frack, burn coal. Vivek Ramaswamy responds to Biden's energy policy. This is a really critical headline here. And I want to play this video of Vivek, and then I want to talk about it. And I've got a bunch of other videos that relate to this whole topic of the environment and the truth related there, too. Here's Vivek. President Biden has taken another shot in his war on energy. He's canceling the remaining seven Trump-era oil and gas leases in Alaska's federal wildlife refuge. 
Republican presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy was on The Focus yesterday with this advice to Biden, who's struggling with the economy. Drill, frack, burn coal, embrace nuclear, unlock American energy production. Rescind a majority of unconstitutional federal regulations that act like a wet blanket on the U.S. economy. That's how we fight inflation. It is also how we deliver economic growth. We're all more proud of a country when we are making more money in our country. As a businessman and an outsider in this race, I know how to deliver that. And I think that's one of the keys to our national revival. All right, there you have it. Now, he's exactly right. Uh, what he does, though, in my opinion, he weaves it into we're a businessman, we can make money, and he ties it to the economy. I agree with him 100%. However, that's not the way the environmentalists tick. Because what the environmentalists say is you're just a capitalist, you're all in it for the money, you're just a millionaire or billionaire, whatever you are, and so you don't care about the environment. That's a lie. Okay? Drill, frack, burn coal, unlock nuclear energy is the answer. And that's the answer no matter what plan you're on, whether you want it for the money, whether you believe it'll make you rich, or whether you're for other reasons different. Okay, so I got a bunch of Dennis Prager videos that I want to play. All right, PragerU.com is where they come from. So each author deserves credit. But the reason that I'm playing them here is because let's put into context what Vivek had to say about this. Do I just go agree with Vivek because I agree with him? No, science actually backs up Vivek, and this is the problem. Without the real long-form discussion, drill, frack, burn coal, unlock nuclear, you, you, you sound like a nutcase. Only if you're uneducated. If you're educated, what he says makes complete sense, and the Dennis Prager long-form videos prove it. They're five-minute videos and i've only got a couple of them to play but i want to play several of them because they go back to back or they work in tandem with one another the first one fossil fuels the big picture and it's created by alex epstein now by the way alex is probably a jew okay but listen to me ladies and gentlemen i don't care why because alex is right and I don't need to spar with him on religion or ethnicity or what uh, country of origins or whatever divide line they want to say. When Alex is right, let's give him credit for being right. Alex Stein's right. Fossil fuels the big picture. Listen to this. Here it is. The world needs more fossil fuels, more oil, coal, and natural gas, not less. Does that sound crazy? It's actually not not if you employ one common sense principle. It's the same principle you use when you decide whether to take a prescription drug. Carefully weigh the benefits and the negative side effects. If the benefits of using fossil fuels outweigh the negative side effects, then we should keep using fossil fuels. If the negative side effects outweigh the benefits, then we should stop using fossil fuels as soon as possible. Which is it? It turns out that the benefits of fossil fuels far outweigh the negative side effects. The reason that most so-called experts, including many climate scientists, are against fossil fuels is that they violate this principle. They ignore the benefits of fossil fuels while overstating their negative side effects. To know the truth about the benefits and side effects of fossil fuels, you need to understand eight essential facts. Fact one, cost-effective energy is essential to human flourishing. 
This is almost never discussed, but no one can dispute it. Low-cost, reliable, versatile energy makes modern life possible. There's a simple reason for this. Energy powers the machines that allow us to be productive and prosperous, from the combine harvesters that allow one farm worker to do the work of a thousand, to the incubators that save the lives of millions of premature babies. Everything depends on energy. Thanks to the unprecedented availability of cost-effective energy, overwhelmingly fossil fuel energy, the world has never been a better place for human life. Life expectancy has risen sharply, and extreme poverty, those that earn less than $2 per day, has plummeted from 42% in 1980 to less than 10% today. Fact two, billions of people are suffering and dying for lack of energy. Most of us take cost-effective energy for granted, but much of the world doesn't have that luxury. Three billion individuals use less electricity per year than a typical American refrigerator. Most of them must use wood and animal dung to heat their homes and cook their food. To flourish, these people need far more energy. Fact three, fossil fuels are uniquely cost-effective. 80% of the world's energy comes from fossil fuels. And fossil fuel use is still growing. The reason? Nothing else can provide billions of people in thousands of places with low-cost, reliable, versatile energy. Unreliable solar and wind can't come close. They only provide electricity, which is just one-fifth of the world's energy use. And because solar and wind can go to near zero at any time, they depend on 24-7 backup from reliable power plants, usually powered by fossil fuels. Fact four, fossil fuel energy neutralizes climate danger. Climate disaster deaths are down 98% over the last century. How did this happen? Much of the credit goes to fossil fuels. They power the machinery that helps us construct sturdy buildings, the heating and air conditioning systems that protect us from extreme temperatures, and the irrigation and transportation systems that alleviate drought. Fact five, global warming has been mild and manageable. While we're told that the warming we've experienced is rapid and overwhelming, the world has warmed just one degree Celsius, two degrees Fahrenheit, since widespread fossil fuel use and CO2 emissions began in the 1800s. And because CO2 is actually plant food, more CO2 has led to significant global greening. That means more trees, more plants, more food. Fact six, warmer temperatures will save lives. While the media portray a future devastated by heat-related death, the truth is that far more people die from cold than from heat. Further, mainstream climate science says that warming will be concentrated in colder places, northern latitudes, at colder times, at night, and during colder seasons. This is good news. It means fewer people will die from cold in the coldest places. Fact seven, the greenhouse effect is a diminishing phenomenon. As we're so often told, the greenhouse effect means that the more CO2 in the atmosphere, the warmer the climate. But that's not the full story. As CO2 levels rise, warming slows down and levels off. This is mainstream climate science, but it's rarely communicated to the general public because it contradicts the climate catastrophe narrative. Fact eight, projected climate impacts can be managed with fossil fuels. The most plausible threat of a warming climate is a rapid rise in sea levels because our coastal infrastructure was built around modern sea levels. But even extreme UN projections put that rise at three feet over the next hundred years. 
that's hardly something to panic over. A good part of the Netherlands is below sea level, including its international airport. The technology the Dutch use to keep the sea at bay is available to any country that needs it. Let's return to our original principle. Carefully weigh the benefits and the negative side effects. If we do this for fossil fuels, the balance is incredibly positive. So do what you would do if fossil fuels were a prescription drug. Take the pill. I'm Alex Epstein, author of Fossil Future for Prager University. Think about that, ladies and gentlemen. No wonder Vivek Ramaswamy is saying, hey, man, burn, drill, frack. Let's get into the nuclear. Let's get her done. Well, he's right. Joe Biden is literally trying to lie to us and control us over this environmental issue. That's the fossil fuels, the big picture. We need them. We cannot exist without them and have our lives in any modicum of similarity to what we're used to, what we grew up with for generations. You literally take away fossil fuels and you go back to the dark ages in terms of heating and cooling. How do you keep yourself warm in the cool environments? How do you keep yourself cool in the hot environments? Without fossil fuel, we simply cannot get it done. Believe me, I actually have land out in the country and I have tried to deal with this. I've got solar devices. I've got, I've tested these things. It cannot work. I cannot get it to work. Well, Sam, if you, you're right. If I had a lot of money, I could get it to work. If I had millions of dollars, I could get plenty of wind, plenty of hydro, plenty of this, plenty of that, plenty of sun, plenty of, and I could make it happen. But without that, pardon the pun, it ain't happening. Okay. Okay, wind and solar might be cool, and it's fun, and it's unique, and I like to experiment with it, and I like to play with it, and I do, because I do believe there's a future there, but the future isn't a panic, let's just get rid of fossil fuels and do it by government force. The future is in the free market, saying, look, fossil fuels, great, let's follow Vivek Ramaswamy's advice, drill, frack, burn coal, Launch nuclear energy. Let's do all those things. I agree 100%. I also think let's explore, though. Let's see if we can get more knowledge to where we can get more efficiency out of the sun, more efficiency out of the wind, more efficiency out of hydro or other maybe things that haven't even been thought of yet. Let's work on all that. Why not, why not embrace every option? You got to ask yourself, what's wrong with wind and solar, Sam? Aren't they great? Aren't they just ripping cool? Yes, they are ripping cool. They seem uh, like endless. The sun always comes up. The sun's always there. You know, it's windy a lot of the time. Can't we store and do batteries? And can't we? Yes, we can. Do we have the technology to do it all at once? No, we don't. Is it feasible to force people into it before we're ready? No. Look at the car example. Your batteries run out. You have nowhere to charge your car. Look, we don't have the infrastructure for electric vehicles, even if we thought they were a great idea. But we have a lot of problems to solve before we ever even get there. The problem with these climate change wackos is that they don't want to take care of the earth. They want to use it for government control. Remember, didn't they say by 2012, my gosh, the world would end or something? And, oh, it'd be horrible. And don't they, didn't Al Gore and everybody else predict all kinds of doom and gloom and man, it was just horrible and everywhere under the sun and 
oh my goodness, the sky is falling, chicken littleish ideas of these environmentalists forever. Haven't they always made these claims and they've never come even close to true? In the last video you just heard from Dennis Prager, Fossil Fuels, the big picture from Alex Stein, he literally doubles down and says, you know what, it's a better life, modern times, in terms of being able to stay alive longer and under better living conditions than any time in history. Don't ignore that fact, okay? When we come back, we'll talk about what's wrong with wind and solar. You are listening to the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Dave Collins. One Democratic senator is comparing the flow of immigrants to the U.S. to a sold-out concert. We are over capacity right now, and we have to control this. Speaking on CNN's State of the Union, Joe Manchin of West Virginia said it's become dangerous to let more people enter the country. Manchin defined dangerous as only being able to screen a small percentage of those crossing the border every day. Manchin announced in November he's not running for re-election, prompting speculation he may run for president as a third-party candidate. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has expressed shock and heartbreak following the IDF's accidental killing of three hostages held by Hamas. Despite the tragedy, Netanyahu affirmed that Israel would persist with its military invasion of Gaza. Military officials acknowledge that IDF troops fired upon the hostages on Friday, even though one was holding a white cloth. On Saturday, a U.S. Navy warship intercepted and destroyed 14 drones launched from rebel-controlled regions in Yemen. The guided missile destroyer USS Kearney effectively engaged the attack drones in the Red Sea during the early hours with no reported damage to the ships and no injuries. GOP presidential hopeful Chris Christie slamming Republican rival for her favorable comments about former President Trump. Nikki Haley should be ashamed of herself, and she's part of the problem. She's enabling him by saying to people, it's okay. Speaking on CNN State of the Union, the former New Jersey governor noted Haley said that Trump is fit to be president in a recent interview. Christie also ripped Republicans in Congress who he accused of endorsing Trump for their own political career. Christie added that Trump is getting worse every day, noting that the former president is claiming immigrants are poisoning America. This is USA News. Greece is cheap. But the airfare costs a fortune. Paris? Not much closer. And again, airfare... What about Puerto Vallarta? Let's face it, flying anywhere is just too expensive. Wait, what's this? low-cost airlines with one call to low-cost airlines you'll drastically slash your travel costs we're talking insanely low airline prices to any of your favorite destinations where would you like to go london rome costa rica australia wow that's cheap so why wait call now to learn how crazy cheap it is to fly anywhere in the u.s or international our prices are so low we can't publish them the only way to get them is to call to instantly hear the most amazing best deals on airlines travel it's that easy so call now and start packing 800-215-5141 that's 
All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about how they're using the environment against the people. They're using the Hegelian dialectic and driving a wedge. Do you want to ruin the environment? Yeah, just destroy everybody on the planet. Do so for filthy lucre and get all rich and become a uh, naked capitalist and, and just destroy the world? Or do you want to follow the government green energy plan and save everybody? See, that's a false narrative. That's a Hegelian dialectic used against the people. Vivek in Soundbites wisely says, drill, frack, burn coal, launch nuclear. It's all great for the money, for the economy. Well, he's right on that, but I don't want to only think of the economy. I want to think of being a good steward of the earth, too. Okay, and that's where the economists, uh, I'm sorry, that's where the economists and the environmentalists usually kind of collide or whatever. But it isn't about that. I think all these things go together. If you're honest with yourself, if you don't fall for the lies and the half-truths spun by government in bed with a lot of these, quote, so-called professionals who don't have the guts to speak up because their checks are on the line. All right, we talked about fossil fuels, the big picture, Alex Epstein, PragerU, doing a great job there highlighting this. All these facts about we're way better off. It is not debatable. We are way better off by having fossil fuels and using them than not. Now, I'm for exploration of all kinds of ways. Nuclear is probably our best way forward for now. But you got to say, well, Sam, come on, what's wrong with wind? What's wrong with solar? Well, over at PragerU, they got another short video. Mark Mills answers this very point. Here it is. Have you ever heard of unobtainium? It's the magical energy mineral found on the planet Pandora in the movie Avatar. It's a fantasy in a science fiction script. But environmentalists think they found it here on Earth in the form of wind and solar power. They think all the energy we need can be supplied by building enough wind and solar farms and enough batteries. The simple truth is that we can't, nor should we want to, not if our goal is to be good stewards of the planet. To understand why, consider some simple physics realities that aren't being talked about. All sources of energy have limits that can't be exceeded. The maximum rate at which the sun's photons can be converted to electrons is about 33%. Our best solar technology is at 26% efficiency. For wind, the maximum capture is 60%. Our best machines are at 45%. So we're pretty close to wind and solar limits. Despite PR claims about big gains coming, there just aren't any possible. And wind and solar only work when the wind blows and the sun shines, but we need energy all the time. The solution, we're told, is to use batteries. Again, physics and chemistry make this very hard to do. Consider the world's biggest battery factory, the one Tesla built in Nevada. It would take 500 years for that factory to make enough batteries to store just one day's worth of America's electricity needs. This helps explain why wind and solar currently still supply less than 3% of the world's energy, after 20 years and billions of dollars in subsidies. Putting aside the economics, if your motive is to protect the environment, you might want to rethink wind, solar, and batteries because, like all machines, they're built from non-renewable materials. Consider some sobering numbers. A single electric car battery weighs about a half a ton. Fabricating one requires digging up, moving, and processing more than 250 tons of earth somewhere on the planet. 
building a single 100 megawatt wind farm can power 75,000 homes requires some 30,000 tons of iron ore and 50,000 tons of concrete, as well as 900 tons of non-recyclable plastics for the huge blades. To get the same power from solar, the amount of cement, steel, and glass needed is 150% greater. Then there's the other minerals needed, including elements known as rare earth metals. With current plans, the world will need an incredible 200 to 2,000 percent increase in mining for elements such as cobalt, lithium, and dysprosium, to name just a few. Where is all this stuff going to come from? Massive new mining operations, almost none of it in America, some imported from places hostile to America, and some places we all want to protect. Australia's Institute for Sustainable Futures cautions that a global gold rush for energy materials will take miners into remote wilderness areas that have maintained high biodiversity because they haven't yet been disturbed. And who's doing the mining? Well, let's just say that they're not all going to be union workers with union protections. Amnesty International paints a disturbing picture. The marketing of state-of-the-art technologies are a stark contrast to the children carrying bags of rocks. And then the mining itself requires massive amounts of conventional energy, as do the energy-intensive industrial processes needed to refine the materials and then build the wind, solar, battery hardware. Then there's the waste. Wind turbines, solar panels, and batteries have a relatively short life, about 20 years. Conventional energy machines, like gas turbines, last twice as long. With current plans, the International Renewable Energy Agency calculates that by 2050, the disposal of worn-out solar panels will constitute over double the tonnage of all of today's global plastic waste. Worn-out wind turbines and batteries will add millions of tons more waste. It'll be a whole new environmental challenge. Before we launch history's biggest increase in mining, dig up millions of acres in pristine areas, encourage childhood labor, and create epic waste problems, we might want to reconsider our almost inexhaustible supply of hydrocarbons the fuels that make our marvelous modern world possible. And technology is making it easier to acquire and cleaner to use them every day. The following comparisons are typical and instructive. It costs about the same to drill one oil well as it does to build one giant wind turbine. And while that turbine generates the energy equivalent of about one barrel of oil per hour, the oil rig produces 10 barrels per hour. It costs less than 50 cents to store a barrel of oil or its equivalent in natural gas but you need $200 worth of batteries to hold the energy contained in one oil barrel. Next time someone tells you that wind, solar, and batteries are the magical solution for all our energy needs, ask them if they have an idea of the cost to the environment. Unobtainium works fine in the movies, but we don't live in the movies. We live in the real world. I'm Mark Mills, Senior Fellow at the Manhattan Institute for Prager University. What's wrong with wind and solar, ladies and gentlemen, is the cost and the catastrophe on the back end. Day-to-day -day in your face, it looks good. It's just like, hey, this little device sits here in the sun, captures it, turns it into electricity. It's incredible. But if you don't understand how it's all built, how it all comes together, and how we're going to dispose of it at the other side of the equation, you're missing the real fundamental whole ecosystem discussion about what it takes to create energy. No matter what you use, whether you dig up oil, burn the oil, whatever, uh, or hydrogen, or sun, or wind, or you got to look at the whole cycle of what it takes to make happen. 
What does it take to build the machinery or the, the ability to utilize it? What does it take then to use that machinery? What does it take to then dispose of and or deal with the after effects or the life cycle of that machinery? Okay, that's what's wrong with wind and solar is it doesn't hold a candle. Oh, you even have to burn candles, don't you? Yeah, it doesn't hold a candle to these other solutions. Not even close. Now, first off, you say, well, what's the answer then? Well, you heard Vivek Ramaswamy. Drill, frack, burn coal, and crank up nuclear. Well, people are going, well, Sam, nuclear energy is way too dangerous. Oh, yeah, how dangerous is it really? There's another Prager video. James Maines brings this to us. Or Maids? I don't know how to say his last name. Anyway, uh, he's with Prager. Another video. How dangerous is nuclear waste? Here it is. About the benefits of nuclear power, how dependable, how efficient, how clean it is, I'm always challenged with this. Yeah, but what about the waste? Their question is hardly surprising. The New York Times claims that the U.S. is awash in radioactive waste. The Los Angeles Times writes that figuring out where and how to safely store radioactive waste is one of the biggest obstacles to nuclear power. And Wired Magazine warns that even our next generation reactors may still have a big nuclear waste problem. And so it goes. Even though the greenest of greens will admit that nuclear power is a clean source of abundant, reliable energy, many stop short of supporting it. The nuclear waste problem ends discussion before it begins. After all, why develop this great source of energy if it's going to poison our air and water with deadly radioactivity? There's only one problem with this well-worn disaster scenario. It's not true. The nuclear waste problem is a myth. How so? Let's start with what nuclear waste actually is, or to be more precise, what it isn't. It's not a green goo oozing out of rusted barrels like you see on The Simpsons. That's literally a cartoon. The real radioactive stuff, usually uranium-235, comes in hard ceramic pellets. A single pellet contains more energy than a ton of coal or three barrels of oil. Ten pellets can power a typical American home for a year. These pellets are stacked into narrow, very strong tubes made from zirconium, a natural element much stronger than steel. These are the fuel rods. There's nothing gooey or green about this picture. Then, these fuel rods are loaded into a reinforced chamber full of water. This is the reactor. After the reactor is done using the fuel, there is very little material, now called spent fuel, to dispose of. If all the electricity you ever used over your whole lifetime came from nuclear power, the spent fuel would only fill a soda can. According to the U.S. Department of Energy, if you took all the spent fuel generated by all American nuclear power plants for the last six decades, and then you piled it on a single football field, it would form a stack just 30 feet high. That's it. America's entire stockpile of spent nuclear fuel would fit on a single football field and it wouldn't even reach the top of the goalposts. But nuclear waste is uniquely dangerous, activists say. It remains radioactive for thousands of years. Yes, spent nuclear fuel is hazardous 
if you get too close to it or ingest it. But you can say the same thing about ammonia, mercury, chlorine, and other deadly chemicals we use every day in industry and even in our homes. Industries follow strict rules to keep the public and the environment safe from those toxins. Nuclear plants follow much stricter rules when it comes to storing their radioactive materials. Fortunately, it's not that difficult to keep spent nuclear fuel safe and secure. After about five years in the reactor, the fuel rods are removed and submerged in a water tank where their heat and radioactivity gradually subside for several more years. Finally, the rods are placed in an airtight stainless steel vault that's welded shut and wrapped in a thick layer of reinforced concrete. These are called dry cask storage units. These casks are stored under armed guard at dozens of nuclear facilities around the country. They don't take up a lot of space and they've never been involved in a serious accident. Still, not everyone is happy with this solution. Some experts think we need to collect all that spent fuel and put it in an underground storage facility where it can be locked away basically forever. In 2002, Congress approved building a deep geological repository under Yucca Mountain in Nevada. But the Obama administration killed that plan. No number of safety studies could convince them it was safe. Maybe they didn't want to be convinced. Today, some anti-nuclear activists say we shouldn't build any more nuclear plants until some sort of underground repository is completed. They're wrong. First, today's storage casks are perfectly safe. They are well-guarded, too heavy to steal, and too tough for bad guys to break into. Second, the spent fuel inside those casks still contains a lot of usable energy. France, Japan, and other countries reprocess their spent fuel and use it again. We should do the same. So let's stop thinking of our dry cask storage sites as dangerous nuclear waste dumps. They're safe just as they are. And someday, they could be a convenient source of affordable, climate-friendly fuel. America needs the abundant clean energy that nuclear power provides. We shouldn't let groundless fears hold us back. Let the nuclear power renaissance begin. I'm James Meggs, Senior Fellow at the Manhattan Institute for Prager University. Now, ladies and gentlemen, all these videos come from Prager. They're doing a great job. And I wanted to highlight PragerU because of the great job they're doing. I don't agree with Dennis Prager on everything, but I agree with him on a lot of things. And when he's right, I'm going to give him credit for being right. And these video people are right. What's wrong with wind and solar? It doesn't financially hold up at all. It doesn't environmentally hold up at all either. The fossil fuels, big picture, the fossil fuels are the absolute current solution. The future is nuclear. Well, how dangerous is nuclear waste? It's dangerous. Let's not pretend it's not, but it's manageable and it's doable. And there are future expansions of knowledge that are going to change that game in many, 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 many ways also. Don't believe, like they told you in the late 1800s, that everything has been invented. Okay, God can give us answers. Imagine that. God can give us answers. Let's go to the fourth video, nuclear energy, abundant, clean, and safe. Michael Schellender, or I don't know how to say his last name either, um, highlights this very, very well. And you say, Sam, why don't you just talk about this? 
Because this brings all these experts to the table in these five-minute videos that Prager has that really nails the topic so well. But I want you guys to see where the research comes from. It comes from all kinds of places, not just Dennis Prager. It's the Dennis Prager University. It comes from all kinds of people. My independent research backs up everything these guys are saying. I'll talk about it. Here is um, this video. It's abundant, clean, and safe nuclear energy. Here's the evidence. France gets 70% of its power from one carbon-free source. Sweden, 40%. Switzerland, 36%. The United States, 20%. For those who wish to create a world free of carbon emissions, France is clearly the role model. That source of energy, by the way, is not solar or wind. It's not coal, oil, or natural gas either. It's nuclear. Nuclear energy is not only cleaner than all other forms of energy, it's also cheaper to create, abundant, and safe. Yes, safe. So if the world is going to end in a few years because of global warming due to rising CO2 levels, why aren't we going all out to produce this abundant, clean, and safe form of energy? Why aren't there dozens of nuclear power plants in development all over the world? Well, we all know the answer, right? Nuclear energy is just too risky. It's too dangerous. So even though we're told we're facing an existential crisis, which means humans may cease to exist, even though we might all wither away in unbearable heat or starve because of worldwide droughts or drown in rising seas or be killed in Mad Max-style riots, nuclear energy is off the table because it's too darn risky. Hmm. I want to make sure I have this right. The goal is to save humanity. There's a way to save humanity, and we won't take it. Because we're afraid there might be a bad accident or something? Does that make sense to you? Because it doesn't to me. But maybe I'm not giving enough weight to the safety argument. So let's take a closer look at that, since no one, not even the most radical environmentalist, disputes that nuclear power produces massive amounts of energy cleanly and efficiently. Safety, like everything else, is a matter of context. So here's some context. 1.4 million people die worldwide every year in traffic accidents, 2.3 million in work-related accidents, 4.2 million from air pollution, deaths directly related to nuclear power, under 200. Not annually, but in the entire history of the nuclear power industry. But what about those famous nuclear disasters we've all heard so much about? Didn't they poison untold thousands? Three Mile Island in 1979, Chernobyl in 1986, Fukushima in 2011. Okay, let's deal with each one. Three Mile Island. There was an accident at that plant, yes, but the amount of radiation that leaked was no more than one might receive taking a chest x-ray. The Nuclear Regulatory Commission acknowledged as much four weeks after the initial media hysteria died down. We goofed, the commission told Congress. There was no danger of any hydrogen explosion. But that didn't grab the headlines. Chernobyl. The accident developed into a catastrophe only because of pitiful safety procedures unique to the Soviet Union. It would never have occurred in the West. Even so, initial reports of radiation leakage turned out to be grossly exaggerated. According to the World Health Organization, as of mid-2005, that's 19 years after the explosion, fewer than 50 deaths had been directly attributed to radiation from the disaster. Fukushima. In 2011, as a result of an earthquake and tsunami, the Fukushima nuclear power plant was destroyed and nuclear radiation was released. Yet despite the media hysteria, not one person at the nuclear plant died because of radiation leaks. 
the deaths that occurred in the area were the result of the tsunami. Well, what about the nuclear waste? Surely that's terribly harmful. Actually, no. All the nuclear waste ever generated in the U.S. can fit on a single football field stacked less than 70 feet high. It's easily and safely buried in steel canisters encased in concrete. All this information is easily available, but the anti-nuclear movement, with the help of their media allies, have spent a tremendous amount of time and money obscuring the facts. They're more interested in filing lawsuits against this particular form of clean energy than telling the truth about it. Those endless lawsuits have helped make it prohibitively expensive to build new plants or even keep older ones running. Ironically, one of the anti-nuclear groups that now litigates against nuclear energy, the Sierra Club, was once a great proponent. The legendary early leader of the club, Will Seary, saw it as the best chance to preserve wildlife. Cheap nuclear power in unlimited quantities is one of the chief factors in allowing a large, rapidly growing population to preserve wildlands, open space, and lands of high scenic value, he told the club in 1966. He was right then, and he's right now. It would take dozens of wind and solar farms covering thousands of acres of land to match the energy a single nuclear power plant can produce. From both an environmental and clean energy point of view, there's no contest. If you want to save the planet, then you want to go nuclear. If you want to save the planet and you don't want to go nuclear, then you're just full of hot air. I'm Michael Schellenberger, founder and president of Environmental Progress and the author of Apocalypse Never for Prager University. There you have it. You have all kinds of experts from Prager highlighting these same points that Vivek Ramaswamy is making and that I've been making for decades now. Uh, it's a lie. It's all designed to divide and control us, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we need to turn to God Almighty. We need to unlock all the potential we have, and it is frack, burn, coal, burn coal, frack, uh, drill, um, create nuclear. Now you say, well, Sam, it's just too dangerous. If you go to the University of Utah, they literally have a tiny working open reactor that you can literally watch run. Well, Sam, that doesn't produce much power. I know. But if you can literally watch one run, how we don't need these massive, huge nuclear reactors. We just need teeny ones everywhere. There's a balance of how much danger versus how much power versus there's a sweet spot, folks. And if you can literally watch our open reactor run at like universities right now, don't tell me you can't create one that's got protection uh, in, in a given city or a given area. This is absolutely doable. Okay. Nuclear is the only way we can go. There is no other option on the table that's real, that's long lasting, that can work. Oh, fossil fuels is the answer, certainly in the short term. But again, it has its own problems. We all agree. No one's debating that. The debate is really the way forward. The debate isn't, is fossil fuels good or bad? Everything has its pro and con. Everything has its right and wrong. But I know this. I've literally bought a solar panel, and I've literally bought uh, you know these different things and played with them, and they will not reliably create energy because we don't have the battery capabilities. We can't store enough. It's really expensive. It's hard to store. It's hard to get. It's not reliable. It's not consistent. One day it'll be super sunny, get a lot of energy. Next day, not much energy because there's not that much sun available. And you say, well, what do you do? Well, you run off batteries, Sam. You learn to run electronics that take less power. 
Those are all good ideas. I suggest we forward every good idea everywhere. But let's not create an unsolvable debate where the wind and solar, the environmentalists are against the, quote, burn, frack, nuclear. Let's not have everybody on opposite sides of this just to create a a false narrative and divide and argue about opinions. Let's deal with facts. The world needs more energy. Everything proves it. How is the best way to get that energy in the safest manner to the most people to improve lives? Because that's what the energy boom has done. And if you take a lot of these poor people in poor countries, they're literally using fire and wood and stuff. It's toxic in their homes. I've had my children go down to Mexico and help build better facilities so they don't all have smoke inhalation when they try to cook in their houses and such like that. Okay, this isn't a made-up deal. This is real. And my children have literally been there helping, along with, as I mentioned at the start of the broadcast, Lil Nelson gone to do that. We help with these projects. We know it's real. But there's ways to help them that we could, we could really move this forward without a big argument, without a huge debate. And, and the only issue is this. You've got to stop those who want to turn us into a tyranny and use government regulations to control us all. That is what it is about for them. It's not about the environment. It's about the divide and conquer. It's about the uh, en- enactment of gazillions of laws to create tyranny. Okay? Look, it isn't a debate about fossil fuels or nuclear or wind and solar or any of those other things, natural gas. All those things should be brought forward and let the best solution win. That is the free market, baby. And we don't need to fight over it. Let's all be great stewards of the earth. Let's turn to God Almighty. And then let's use the best knowledge and technology we have and pray God gives us more knowledge for better solutions. What do you think of those answers, ladies and gentlemen? Brought to you by science. Prager University, Vivek Ramaswamy, Sam Bushman, we can all be on board. Do we got to fight or can we work together and stand on a hill as the greatest country on the face of the earth, providing appropriate leadership? That is my prayer. Promoting God, family, and country, I am Sam Bushman. We declare this nation shall endure. LovingLiberty.net, God save the republic.